Hey guys, this is Blake, host of the That You May Know Him podcast, and welcome back to Two for Ten, the show where we study the Bible one book at a time, one verse at a time. On today's episode of Two for Ten, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 2, verses 21 through 23. We're still getting to know the church at Thyatira, and sadly, we're going to see the scene that took place in the Garden of Eden repeat itself, play itself out once again in a local church. You know what else we're going to see? The way that Jesus deals with it. That's what's coming up today on 2 for 10. So let's get it going. Hey guys, real quick before we get started, please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, the That You May Know Him podcast. We are on every major podcasting app. You can find links to tons of them on our website, thatyoumayknowhim.com. We're starting a couple of new series this week and next on the show. They're going to be a lot of fun. They're going to go for a long time, and we're going to have regular co-hosts as a part of both of those series and a part of the show going forward. So lots of exciting stuff is happening. Please, if you haven't already, subscribe on whatever podcasting app you prefer. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, hit the subscription button just to the bottom right of this screen. Also, guys, if you haven't already, please check out a book that I co-authored with my good friend, Dr. Richard Cox, earlier this year. It's called Secularism, The Church, and The Way Forward. It's available on Amazon.com. It's from Whipped and Stock Publishers. We've gotten a lot of great feedback on it. It addresses some of the most important questions that I think are facing the church in the West today. So if you haven't already, please check it out. You can find links to that book available for purchase through most major book distributors, the publisher, Whippenstock, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, right there on our website, thatyoumayknowhim.com. All right, now let's get in to the book of Revelation and we are continuing to get to know the church at Thyatira. In our last episode, we learned that this church has done a really good job of maintaining their love for Jesus, their good works, their faithfulness, but they have not done so well at eliminating false teaching and evil from among them. In fact, Jesus rebukes them for being tolerant, for tolerating evil, and particularly the evil that was being perpetuated around their church by this woman, Jezebel. So now we're going to read the next three verses, verses 21 to 23, and we're going to talk about this woman, Jezebel, who she is, where she came from, and Jesus' response to this situation. Revelation chapter 2, verses 21 through 23 go like this. Jesus says, I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am the one, I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. That was Revelation chapter 2, verses 21 through 23. Guys, words like that, words like Jesus saying, I will give to each of you according to your works, are not the type of words that we typically hear in modern 
Protestant evangelicalism. In fact, words like that are the reason that many people try to say that the book of Revelation is not actually written to the church. That is incorrect. It is written to the church. In fact, it's written to seven local churches. And as an entire whole letter, it's written to the church eternal, the church universal, the body of Christ, of which you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus, are members. Let's talk about this woman, Jezebel. Those of you that have read your Bibles well know that this is not the first Jezebel that appears in the Bible. There was a woman in the Old Testament named Jezebel. She appears in the book of Kings. She was the wife of the evil king of Israel whose name was Ahab. He was evil and he was weak. He was more or less a puppet for the evil deeds and evil intentions of his wife. This woman Jezebel lived during the time of the prophet Elijah. You guys might remember Elijah the Tishbite. Very, very important prophet in the Bible. I love his name in Hebrew. His name in Hebrew is Eliyahu, and it means my God is Yahweh. That's not the point, though. Jezebel lived during the time of Elijah the prophet. She is known in Jewish history for leading the people of God astray into idolatry. She didn't just allow idolatry. She promoted it. She imported it from the country that she came from and the other countries around her. She was married to King Ahab, but she was not originally an Israelite. She was known for her idolatry. She persecuted and killed many of the prophets of God, and she plunged the nation of Israel into ruin and destruction. In fact, 70 sons of Ahab, that's right, her husband, Ahab, the king, had over 70 sons. 70 of them were murdered, were killed at once because of their evil deeds. And Elijah, the prophet, actually warned him that this would happen because of the evil of his house. That evil was perpetuated in large part by his wife Jezebel, who was a serial idolater and who hated the laws and commandments of God. Guys, sadly, this is not uncommon in history. When evil women are allowed to have a great impact on the world for evil, when they're empowered to do so, it usually happens under the auspices of a weak man. That's right. When evil women are allowed to have a great impact on the world for evil, it usually happens under the auspices, under the covering of a weak man. And that's why Jezebel, in large part, was known as a seductress, as one who seduced Ahab and the entire nation to turn away from God and to go after her false idols and her false gods. Why do we say that this is sort of a, re what's happening in this church rather, Thyatira, is sort of like a repeat of what happened, not just in the story of Jezebel from the Old Testament, but in the story of the Garden of Eden. Well, simply this, the connection is a very simple one. What happened in the garden in large part was that Adam failed to cover his wife. Lots of people like to say, well, it was Eve's fault. Eve's the one that ate the apple first. It wasn't even, that doesn't say it was an apple. You know, Eve was the one that was deceived, which is true. The Apostle Paul tells us that the woman was deceived. But are we supposed to act like that's like a, a bad, like a, like a good thing? She was deceived and Adam knew exactly what was going on. And yet he allowed it to happen. He did not cover his wife. And when weak men 
are not proper coverings and they get coupled with evil women. I should say when weak men don't know how to lead in a godly way and then they get paired up with evil women, oftentimes bad things happen. What's happening in this church, in the church at Thyatira, is this evil prophetess, this woman who calls herself a prophetess, whose name is Jezebel, is leading the people of astray, leading the people of God astray by teaching them to practice immoral things. Now the text doesn't say this, but I think that this woman Jezebel was probably married to one of the pastors of this church. Because that's the way it always repeats itself, not just in the Bible, but in history. You see, this woman is sort of like an antitype to the original Jezebel. Just like Herodias, who was the, the wife of one of the sons of Herod, who had John the Baptist murdered. She was also sort of like a, a type of this woman Jezebel, or an antitype, right? Jezebel's the original, but you see women like her all through the Bible. This is how Bible prophecy works. It usually repeats itself. John the Baptist was in the form and power of Elijah. Well, there was an evil woman who was a lot like Jezebel, who was dead set on killing John, just like Jezebel was dead set on killing Elijah. Is this making sense? I hope this is not too much for you. This woman is the exact same. She's leading God's people astray. I believe she probably was named Jezebel, but it wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't an accident that she took on the form of this original evil woman who led the people of God into idolatry. How does Jesus respond? He says this, verse 22 of Revelation 2, Behold, I will throw her onto a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. Now some of you just had your theology wrecked or your head exploded or you decided that this verse can't possibly mean what it says. Some of you believe what this verse says. And when Jesus says, I will throw her onto a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation. You say, ah, if that's what Jesus said he's going to do, then that's what he does. And that's what he did. You guys, some people like to say things like, well, but Jesus is love and Jesus taught us just to love everyone. So this could not be possible that Jesus says he's going to throw someone onto a sick bed. You want to know something about Jesus? He is love incarnate and he loved the church at Thyatira so much that it reached a point where he would no longer tolerate them being deceived by an evil woman who was leading them astray. My friends, God is love. His son is love incarnate, but that does not mean that he doesn't deal with evil. He does deal with evil. In fact, he hates evil because he is love. Because God is love and God loves righteousness, God always deals with evil. And that's exactly what Jesus says he's going to do in this situation. And that's exactly what he did do in this situation. Jesus goes on to say, and I will strike her children dead. Remember what happened to Ahab's children? They were struck dead. And Elijah the prophet who spoke for God is the one who said it was going to happen. Jesus says, this woman's children, and I don't think it's necessarily talking about her biological children. It could be. I think it's talking about her followers, 
her father, the people that followed her, because oftentimes children in the New Testament are followers, right? Paul says, you have one father in Christ, one spiritual father, and that's me. He was writing to a specific church when he said that. And then Jesus says, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. My friends, for those of us who love Jesus, for those of us who love God and genuinely want to walk with him, the fact that Jesus searches mind and heart is not a bad thing at all. And the fact that he says that he will give to each of you according to your works is not something that we see as being bad or legalistic or is that, is that like works-based righteousness? No, righteousness is something that's imputed to us through faith. But righteousness is always expressed. Genuine righteousness is always expressed in what we do. And from the Old Testament all the way through, from Jeremiah to Matthew to the church epistles to Revelation, all the way through, we see this theme. There, in, some, in some aspect, in some way, we are all judged according to what we do. Does this mean that we're not saved by grace through faith? Of course it doesn't mean that. But it does mean that while we're saved by grace through faith, we will still be judged and given account for what we do and what we did in this life. Why is this? Because God deals with evil. That's the point. That's the point. If you're surprised that Jesus says, I will strike her children dead, you shouldn't be. This is the same risen Christ who we first saw in this book with a sword protruding out of his mouth, who at the end of the book comes with a sword, with a cloak dipped in blood, and with the hosts of heaven to execute vengeance on all those who practiced evil in this world. It's the same Christ that we see right here in this verse. It's also the same Christ who died on a cross to redeem every person from evil as long as they're willing, as long as they accept the free gift that he offers. In the case that people don't, they have something coming. That's not going to be very good for them. But for us, for us who love God and embrace him, who cooperate with his grace, who wait for his mercy, we don't have to be afraid that Jesus is the one who searches mind and heart. This is the way he helps us. This is the way he makes us better. He searches our hearts and our intents. And sometimes he shows us, hey, that thing right there, you need to get that out of your life. And that's a good thing. If you love God, you love his reproof. You love his correction. You learn to long for him to father you. And you realize that when he fathers you, it's because he loves you. It's because you're his child. So when you read verses like this in the Bible, don't be surprised. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to defend Jesus or explain his actions away. Just know that this is the same Christ who already shed his blood for every single person to be redeemed. But that same Jesus who is love incarnate will one day deal with evil, even the evil that exists, sadly, within his church. And if you want to know, if you want to have confidence for that day, don't be afraid of the fact that Jesus searches mind and heart. You love him. I know you love many people who are watching this video. I know love Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid of this passage. Invite him to search your mind and your heart. He's already doing it.
and invite him to help you be better, to help you look more and more and more like him with each passing day of your life as you come to know him more and more and more. My friends, that is all the time that we have for today. This has been Revelation chapter 2, verses 21 through 23. We're about midway through Jesus's addressing the church at Thyatira. I'll be back in our next episode to continue what Jesus has to say to this real historical first century church. But that's for our next episode. Until then, I'm Blake Barbera signing off. Stay blessed. Live love, and thank you so much for watching and listening to that evening. Know Him podcast is produced by That You May Know Him Ministries, Durham, North Carolina. You can visit our website at thatyoumayknowhim.com. Oh, 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 oh,